Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Parasite, directed by Bong Joon-ho and released in 2019. The plot of the movie goes something like this. The struggling Kim family find work in the home of the wealthy Park family. Um, and as usual, before we get into the spoilers of the movie, we're going to get a, into a little spoiler-free section where we tell you whether or not you should see this movie. Melissa, should people see this movie? Yes, but probably with an awareness of the kind of stuff that Bong Joon-ho does, because it's quite intense. I don't, I don't want to spoil too much, and that plot summary is about as minimal as you can get, but he gets he made Snowpiercer, which is obviously a fairly confronting movie. Go back and listen to our review of it if you want to hear about that. But he really gets into some like intense topic. Well, he get, rather he gets into really important topics like wealth inequality and class stuff in a really intense way. So it is quite an intense film, but it really sticks with you. So it's really, I I think it's a really good film, and I it stuck with me and I enjoyed it. But I also know that like the experience is not for everyone. Um. Yeah. So based on like the title and what I know of Bong Joon Ho, I was really expecting this to be like a sci-fi movie or something. I was, yeah, I was thinking <laughs> or it was going to be a horror movie. I was expecting horror as well, and I, I didn't know anything and uh, more than that summary that we just said. So I won't give any more, too much more away to the the listeners. But yeah, it is. I mean, you could call it a thriller. Definitely. It is, but yeah, it's a thriller, but like, it's like there's a, nothing that happens in this movie that's outside the realm of human possibility. I mean, no. there's no sci-fi, there's no horror, there's no fantasy elements. So I will just say that before people go see yes. it because I was expecting that and the movie was very different from what yeah. I was expecting. It was like of all his stuff that I know of, this is the most sort of straight up like actual story about inequality, wealth yeah. inequality. And it's very, um, I suppose it's very accessible in that way, but it's also gotten a lot of accolades and stuff. And I kind of feel like that's because it's just a sort of straight thriller. And that makes me kind of sad. Um, I, I also feel like the Khan people, you know, the wealthiest people in the world probably felt a bit guilty watching it, but that might just be me. I also think that it's worth letting people know that this movie gets a lot more interesting in the second half. Mm. So if you're sitting there going, oh God, this is so boring. I don't understand why people love this movie. Just hold out because the first part is kind of a, it's a, it's a slow burn. The first part is, is a lot slower and the second part really takes off. Having said that, I think the performances are almost to like the last one really, really good. Uh-huh. Um, and the actors are all really good in this, which is kind of what makes it so interesting. And it is a very interesting, very well made film that has a lot of, um, a lot of entertainment value as well. Mm. Um, but it's mostly, uh, there to make you think. Yeah. Um, so if you're not down for that, then maybe go catch something a little pulpier instead of this. Yeah, but if you are, and yeah, I think it's probably worth seeing. Yeah. All right. So we might get into spoilers now so we can actually talk about the movie. Yeah, so if you haven't seen Parasite and you don't want to be spoiled, pause the podcast now and come back when you have. Yeah, so... Oh, man. What was I going to say? I I don't know, but this movie, like, I kept getting, like, I kept thinking about it after I'd seen it, which is exactly what happened when I saw Snowpiercer, by the way. It kind of stayed with me in a really good way. It's um, very eat the rich, isn't it? It is that. It is that. But like it also I, – I think it does it in a really good way though because it's not like you like the Kims when you first meet them. Like when, when you first start, you're like, who are these, who are these grifters? And not then really. You, we, we first meet them at home. 
Mm. And we first see them as just being sort of poor at home for quite a while before mm. they start grifting on people. That's true. Like they are trying to fold boxes to make money and things like that. So I think the um, darker turn that they take later is actually kind of surprising. It doesn't seem like they are people who will like go and steal a bunch of money from people and like i mean definitely you know they they have a moment where they're turning the charm on with that pizza girl Mm. but it gets a lot darker than that yeah and it sort of ramps up weirdly quickly in the second half as well Mm. like i feel like there wasn't a lot of stuff in the first half that predicted what was going to happen in the second half definitely once they started the grifting and started kicking people out of their jobs and taking those jobs then they you started to see the darker side of them but uh not quite as murdery as they get eventually no well i just thought yeah no and that and that was really interesting as well because it kind of the whole bong jun ho's whole career about you know, the way class works and the way wealth works and the it's about examining what that tipping point is like what pushes people to go from being like we need a job to we might need to grift a little to get these jobs to into being quite murdery i I think it's interesting to look at the way that that works in terms of tipping points for people Mm. and the way like there's a really good line um from the mother whose name i've forgotten chung suk where she says money's like an iron it smooths out all the creases Mm. and there's a lot of that going on like the the kims will ramp up into violence a lot quicker than the parks do because they don't have that smoothing effect of having money yeah there's a lot of lines in this i also feel like might have been lost in translation (laughs) yeah probably people keep going on about how metaphorical something is and i'm like i feel like there's a word in korean (laughs) that has a specific meaning that is not being translated properly here Mm. because metaphorical is kind of what they're getting at, but it's not quite what they're getting at. Yeah, Ki-woo says it like multiple times yeah. with the with the girl that he tutors. Yeah, I think they're getting more at something like it's deep or it's like, you know, it's meaningful rather than – like it's also metaphorical, but metaphorical is not – doesn't convey what he seems to be trying to convey mm. in those scenes. Yes. Um, and I found that with quite a few lines that there seems to be something a little bit lost in translation there that like – maybe the people who were doing the subtitles didn't have a lot of time to do them or something because it it seems like there's there's a bit that doesn't get across um cross culturally mm, that might be yeah that's interesting actually cuz the way he says that word is a very sort of you know it's in a way that would very much appeal to a teenage girl as well like that this is really deep and meaningful <laughs> yeah exactly well yeah. that's that's what i think he's trying to do he's trying mm. to say this is really deep and meaningful about the rock and then later about the kids drawing you mm. know but like that's not what he he says it's metaphorical yeah. or he says it's really metaphorical which is such a t- strange turn of phrase like you, you it's yeah. just not something that you would generally say in english no um but so, clearly that's yeah whatever word he used is is not hard, not easy one to translate no but yeah i noticed that a few times i like that there were bits and pieces that seemed to be uh not translated perfectly mm. and i think in a film like this, which is so message heavy, it's really important to get all those details right. Mm. Because in something like, which is, um, I'm going to probably compare it a lot to The Handmaiden, because <laughs> yeah. um, which is also a Korean film directed by um, a director that I tend to like better than Bong Joon-ho. Likewise. Um, 
and Park I had Chan his, thank you. I had his name at the beginning. Yeah, who also made Stoker, which was one of the early films we reviewed on this show and loved. Yeah, I love Stoker. I love The Handmaiden, and um, he we love The Handmaiden too, and we've also reviewed it. Just hasn't come out yet. <laughs> yeah, and he he makes stuff that like I think is like so exciting that the translation doesn't need to be perfect because no. the plot itself is so interesting and so well done. Whereas this one, the plot itself is okay, but it's the meaning behind everything that they're doing that makes it interesting and that makes it the kind of film that it is. I yeah, think. and certainly Park Chan-woo is a lot more accessible, I find. Bong Joon-ho, like, you definitely, there's a lot of what the f- moments in his stuff, like, where's this going? And you can see it in the whole, but it's also, like, in the minutes, minute stuff that happens in some of the movies, like you're like, whoa, that escalated quickly. Yeah. I'm just going to say um, um, it's Park Chan Wook, so we'll. Right. Sorry. Do that was you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, there's, that's the other one. There's another line early where Kiwu calls the little boy, says he has a fanboy personality. Yeah, that was odd. Which is another weird turn of phrase that. Yeah, it probably meant like fanatical or something. Yeah, exactly. Or like obsessive. He, mm-hmm. he obsesses over things. But it, it that's that's another place where it yep. doesn't translate great. But yeah, getting past the translation Yeah, because I, I didn't actually have too many problems with that because it was always sort of clear from what you could see what was going on. That's true. But I feel like because it's so message heavy, these quotes all mean something, right? They're all, all maybe not fanboy personality, but the well, metaphorical fa- Fanboy thing. definitely stuck out because it's not like the kind of word you'd normally see used. Yeah. But the, it means that like for the, you know, metaphorical keeps coming back. Um, mm-hmm. He says it a few times and there's other things that keep sort of, there's themes that keep being mm-hmm. said through the Surprise film in certain comes ways. comes back a few times as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like, and, and crossing the line. There's the, mm. something the dad said, um, Mr. Park says about crossing the line that is something else that I don't think has been translated fully. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, what, what do you mean crossing the line? What is the line and what is yeah. crossing it? And like, how do I know what that is for him? Yeah. Yeah. You Cause know? it kind of comes in later, but you don't, it hasn't been set up as to what he thinks or as to why that's a thing for him. Or, or what he means by that. Yeah. What is what is crossing the line? Because he says it about the first housekeeper that she doesn't yeah. cross the line. And he says about Mr. Kim that he comes close to crossing the line, but and he doesn't, doesn't do yeah. it. And I'm like, what line? Yeah. Like, it's clearly a line that he thinks exists between employer and employee or whatever. Mm. But he doesn't – we don't know what that no. is. So – and because that's a – such a big part of what this story is for me that was a little bit frustrating Mm. but speaking of mr park and mr kim (laughs) in the car god they're so good like the only person who i felt like maybe wasn't as good is sometimes the mother goes into his the um mrs park goes into hysterics just a little too quickly a little too far like practically soap opera acting yeah yeah she she was a strange one and also she's like weirdly young as well, well she, I, I looked it up and she's 38. She's two years older than I am, right. um, which means that she would have had to have the older daughter who's about 16 when she was like 22. Right, right. And that makes sense with the naivety, though, yes. I guess. And, yeah. and, and, and they Min, do say it at the beginning. She's yeah. really young, yeah. So it, it, that is part of her, I think. Yeah. She married young. She's very naive. She doesn't have a good sense of the world, mm. bef- didn't have a good sense of the world before she got married. That, to me, I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and she's been very – she's very sheltered. Yeah. I, and, but, I, and I think that's what she's going for in the performance. Mm. Um, and I 
I actually quite liked her, but I, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Sometimes she's great. When she was on the phone and completely oblivious to everything that oh Mr. Kim God. was doing, she was perfect. Yep. But like when there was the, oh, did something happen to him in year one? And she goes, <gasps> out of nowhere. And you're like, what? Yeah. Actually, that sequence where they've been, they've, the house is flooded and they're so traumatized by the night, like they've been in, hanging out in the house and mm. um, the old housekeeper's turned up and all that. That following day when they're trying to plan that party, that scene is so well done. It is. It's fantastic. So, so good. And you can see, um, and Song Kang Ho, who plays Mr. Kim, who is, you were telling me, and I realized I recognized his face. He's quite a well-known Korean actor. He's in a lot of stuff. And he is so good. You see his face over the course of the movie. Like he, at the beginning, when he's with the, and I don't know if he's done makeup or performance, but when he's with the, first goes to be the driver and all that kind of stuff, he's very upright and his face is like, uh, his face goes red when he gets when he's home, mm-hmm. and when he's out with the Kims, he's like it's much paler, and he he doesn't sort of look as though he's getting worked up. But when he's home with the family, he's often getting worked up, and his face gets red, and you see his face get redder and redder and redder over mm-hmm. the course of the movie. He also like his hair is unkempt at home, yeah. and it's very neat when he's being the driver. He, he almost like, looks like a different person. He does, but oh. and then he, then that merges after the trauma of like dealing with the old housekeeper and her husband and the um, the flooded house and all that mm. kind of stuff. But I think all of the um, the Kims, with the exception of Ki-woo, really, really change. Yes. Um, and the, to me, the most impressive for that was the daughter. Yes. Um, her, because she doesn't change very much in terms of how she looks, but her whole demeanor completely shifts when she's pretending to be the art instructor to compared to when she's just like – kind of a callow teenage girl at home she's yeah she's the best like pretend rich girl yeah she's really good at that yeah she is just fantastic. again it's it almost like she moves into she's a diff- it could almost be a different actor you're just like wow well the one that i thought really could have been a different actor was when the housekeeper showed up again i did not recognize her at all me neither like she she's got she looks completely different the only reason that i figured it out was because she's wearing glasses and she's the only character yeah, the, we've seen wearing glasses well, they also say she also says who she is well she does, but that, but, that was the only point at which i figured out who it was yeah because well, i did not recognize her yeah when she shows up at the house but just before she says who she was i sort of figured out because she's wearing glasses um yeah. but i was like who is this person um, yeah because well and because as the housekeeper she's so so buttoned up Mm. like you know with the pantyhose and her like little feather duster and her uniform that she wears Mm. um she's so different and that's sort of interesting you hear you read about this a lot in like english class stuff where some people who are long-time servants become like really attached to like being really really posh and it's part of their demeanor even though they're servants to posh people and they don't themselves have a lot of money they sort of have this adherence to like a really posh accent and a really posh way of dressing and certain standards of behavior. And you always get that vibe from her. So when it unravels that quickly to, for her to be this wife, who's just desperate to get in and make sure her husband has food, it's a totally different experience. Well, yeah, her shift is really dramatic because she's goes from like very buttoned up and kindly to maniacal in like seconds. Yeah. She is, she is properly, like unhinged when we see her next I, I like that too it's very socialist that whole like the the rich sort of playing off the poor against one another because they're both they're in the same boat the kims and the former housekeeper like they're no they none of them have enough money all of them have to you know 
graft and work hard to make a living and then like they end up fighting each other yeah my only thing with this movie with that stuff is that the parks are all to a person pretty nice people there's there's no like there's no point at which they are like there's nobody in this movie who is particularly villainous who is rich Mm. I mean, Mr. Park is definitely worse than than Mrs. Park in a lot of ways. But like, then they don't. And and I know what they're doing. That you know, they're they're setting up all this stuff that they're kind of ignorantly um, mm. holding up these cultural norms, these capitalistic cultural norms that are terrible. But they're so like, especially when you look at Mrs. Park and the way that they're kind of abusing her, mm. it makes it really difficult to sympathize with them a lot of the time because the parks aren't playing the Kims off against the old housekeeper. No. No, they're not doing that at all. They have no they're idea what's going on. No, they're not doing it. It, it. They don't know what their part is. It's that sort of invisibility of their own privilege. Like they don't – like they don't yeah, really have – like they have a part in it, but it's not really – like they don't see it from their perspective. Well, you say that, but again, like they have no – like they were treating the housekeeper really well and everything. It was – Mr. Kim coming in and lying about her that got her fired, right? So they're not playing anybody against anybody else at any point in the movie. Society is. Yeah, yeah. And they but, and they're playing a part in that because they're part of society. They yeah. they don't know that they are, but they are. Right. And the others are as well because they're also a part of a society that pushes people who are poor to fight against each other rather than thinking about the way that inequality has made put them both in the same situation. Yeah. It just would have been interesting to have, like, a wider variety of rich people in the film than just the parks. Yeah, some actual evil ones. Some, well, not even just that, not even actual evil ones, but, like, so that we could see more of what the rich society is and the part that they play in it. Because we've only got basically two, well, four individuals, but the kids aren't in any way upholding anything because they're children. Um, Well, I mean... I don't know what the, what the movie's take on it, but my take on it is they are children. No, so I don't agree with that. Um, they are, like, like innocent. No. Well, I mean, like, yes, in the sense that, like, they're the result of larger forces, but also no in the sense of, like, there's no way a 16-year-old who'd grown up in the Kim situation could be as naive and, like, indulgent and indulged as the Park daughter and stuff like that. So but it's – it's She's a – like, I'm, I'm talking about the part that they play in things. She's a child, right? So, like, she's still got time to be educated and things like that. That's about the education sure, that you sure. provide that child she does, with, not about the child. But it also child. informs – like, the way, the way her life has been informs the way that she is. Again, no one's going to be as indulged as the little son who is incredibly indulged. He is. He's spoiled and, rotten, but that's yeah. the parents. <laughs> yeah. But this is the thing, like, the – the other problem that I have is that, like, to say any of that, she's 16 and being preyed on by an older man through the – two older men through the yeah, whole yeah. movie. So, like, I have a huge problem with that already, right? Like, I have a huge problem with that. The movie is talking about classism and things and it doesn't even for a second – Get into the fact get that both of the her tutors that, want to date her. Yeah, and she's 16 and he's got to be at least 20. Yeah, they're, they're university age, yeah. Yeah, so – that to me was just so – it's so appalling and nobody ever says anything about it and it's not part of the movie and I found that really frustrating mm-hmm. because we're seeing this all from the point of view of the Kims 
Yeah. And they are kind who of don't our see protagonists. Yeah. And who don't see yeah, none of them see anything wrong with I, it. And one it's, of the first things I thought was like, what family lets their teenage daughter be tutored by like a slightly older boy in her room with the door closed? The whole way that happens as well. I'm like, surely like I don't have a lot of experience with tutoring, but generally that's the kind of thing you do at the kitchen table or like not, mm. you know, in a in a family room or something. You don't do that in the kids' room on there. It's just this, the risk of that is far too high. But, of course, that's exactly what happens. You go straight up to her room. They shut the door. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, and I don't know whether that was speaking to the naivety of Mrs. Park or whether I mean, it was – I mean, there's probably a bit of that, yeah. But like, Or whether they just don't see anything. The filmmaker just doesn't see anything wrong with it because I was, like, appalled. Yeah, I was then, so upset. And then, and then when, when the sister comes in as the art therapist, she does. She insists on the same thing. No parents. No, we're going to shut well, the door. Well, she insists like, on the same thing because she doesn't have the faintest idea what she's doing yeah. and she's and just she's making it up. And she's obviously not being predatory, but also like that is really inappropriate tutor behavior. Yeah, and she could easily be predatory yeah, in she, that situation. Yeah, she could easily be, and that's right, and that's why you don't do things like that. I remember being appalled at that. I'm like, how can you let this, them do that? Yeah. And the, the, like, it's the way never that, addressed, no. The way that Min was talking about Dahey at the beginning of the film is so icky yeah. and so unpleasant. I suppose he's the other rich person that we see and yeah. he's really unpleasant. <laughs> yeah, but then the, 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 the he's unpleasant because of that and then Ki-woo goes in and does exactly the same thing. Is that, yeah, exactly. So you're like, how you're we, not like, We thought you were better than this, but you're not apparently. No, it's – appalling it's just so icky and i can't yeah. stand it um yeah but just because though she's being preyed on and is like innocent in that doesn't mean that she's like a perfect person or anything she's, well, she's still got, i'm not saying that any of them like are per- either of them are perfect and products of what they've been through and part of the products of what they've been through makes them extremely oblivious to what other people are going through and that's part of their character and that's part of how they fit into the thing i don't like to like i i can't get behind films blaming children for their existence or their cultural background or whatever like that or to you know to see them as being part of the problem would be sort of antithetical to my entire philosophy a part of the problem everywhere though like that's the way the world works children get bad before they like they don't just turn 18 and are suddenly responsible for everything no but but to my for me before they turn 18, their parents are responsible for them and their, like, Now, maybe education so, but they can their... still be dicks. Yeah, I know kids can be dicks. Of course I know kids can be dicks, but <sighs> I'll move on from that because trying to explain the exact, like, I, I have a real problem with, you know, having this 16-year-old be preyed upon by older boys and then go, she's so sheltered and it's her fault and therefore – I didn't like, say it was her fault. No, I just no, said she's that's... also sheltered and naive and yes, other but... stuff going on. Anyway. Yeah. So um, I wanted to talk about something else, but I can't remember what it is now. Um, yeah. So, well, I mean, there's plenty of other things to talk about. But yeah, that to me was all the interesting stuff, that the class stuff. Yeah, the class stuff, but the class stuff is the key. Like that's the core theme of the film, right? Yeah. But then like I just would be interested in seeing it done in a, a slightly different way. It's it's very hard for me to feel sympathetic to the Kims, especially Kiwoo when he is preying on 16-year-old girls. Mm. Like that that's not at all a sympathetic behavior to me no it, i didn't um, feel particularly sympathetic towards him and at the end 
when it looked like he died, I was like, oh, that's good. Like I would have rather it been him than the sister, which unfortunately it was. But yeah, so I definitely did not feel super sympathetic towards him. No, the sister as well. Like I think she's brilliant. Just like the girl who plays her is brilliant. The character is brilliant. But um, she is also the one who isn't she the one who comes up with the yeah she's the one who comes up with the plan to get the driver fired and all that. Oh, she's the most Machiavellian of them all. She is the most Machiavellian of them all, and she doesn't uh, also just doesn't care about anybody else but herself. Yeah, in either of her personas, like as the art teacher as well. Yeah, whereas Mister Park, he's the only one in his family who seems to actually have a sense uh, not Mr. Park, Mr. Kim is the only one in his family who seems to have any sense of morality around what they're doing. Hmm. Like the wife is not a holy God crazy. No, she's <laughs> like she she will cut a bitch. Yeah, she is like so self centered. Kiwu is really smart but really dumb. Yeah, he's just kind of useless. He's kind of yeah, and he's he's not intelligent no like, I, d- he, I don't like him no he's very unpleasant and then um the sister is very just very self-centered yeah but mr park mr kim keeps talking about like he's the one who kind of thinks about the driver who got fired for him yeah he's the one who's has a sense of guilt around the housekeeper and her husband and like when he checks if to see if she's alive he's relieved that she is yeah well, I think we should also examine this movie for some worst aid because there's a lot going on oh in this movie. <laughs> like he checks that she's alive, she is, so he just leaves her there. The um the concept of um once a child has a seizure, there's only 15 minutes to get him to the hospital, or else they'll like, die. That's not true. <laughs> based on what? What is that based well, on? I don't know about seizures. Like if a person has seizures on the regular, it's actually like. What you have to do is stay out of the way until the, and keep them from hurting themselves yep. until the seizure finishes, and then you go and well, the, it, it, you time them. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it, it's like it's very scary, and you definitely need to seek medical attention, especially if you've never had one before. But like, also, <laughs> yeah, it's scary. You, like, but yeah, you, you do yeah, need the to... whole fifteen minutes thing. That's not true. It's not like a stroke where no. you that sort of time or a heart attack where the timing thing does matter. No. Also, it kind of just looks like the kid fainted. Yeah, it doesn't look like he had a seizure at all, no. and it's more like because the mother is so hysterical she or sheltered or whatever she just sort of thinks it's worse than it was yeah did, and i did love the way that was filmed though by the way of um the housekeeper's husband coming yeah, up yeah from, me too it was, it was so such good. a great sorry ghost and it was such a great bit of filming i mean literally this movie is so beautiful it's so incredibly shot actually there's some shots that really reminded me of um roma like yeah, where they I, track them across very early on in this movie i was like this is is this going to be like a Korean Roma? I mean, it's not in a lot of ways, but also there is a lot. There's actually some similarities there in terms of how the house is a character and the mm. way they use the house and the way like the house being trashed or really well maintained means two means different things. Yeah, well, both houses being a char- character, yeah, right? Yeah. They're like sub-basement oh, yeah. house and the the beautiful yeah. Namgung designed house. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. The the sub-basement house with the, the weird little toilet that's up on a bench and – yeah, it is. It's it's very much a, a character in itself. And at the end, after it's been flooded and they come back to the house and, like, all the lights are the same and everything, I'm like, that wouldn't work. Like, they would have had to do a lot, like, lot to get the house back to that well, state. Yeah. But and it only- was so stressful as well when they were there and, like, um, in the house trying to get the stuff out and the floodwaters were rising. Oh, my yeah. oh God. And one of them electrocutes themselves briefly and you're like, oh, God, that water's getting really close to that light fitting. Yeah. It was extremely terrifying but also 
I did like that, the whole window, the way the windows worked and everything like that. Yeah, the the uh, lip service paid at the end where the mother is just like scrubbing down one yeah. <laughs> one cabinet and you're like, um, no. Yeah. <laughs> there's just no, there's no way. But yeah, the sub-basement apartment. Yeah. Getting, and that, but that was intercut with the basement with the housekeeper dying, uh-huh. which was really interesting. It was really interestingly done. Yeah, it was. I, I just thought of us now about like the underground and the above ground. Yeah. And this is so much more subtle and interesting. Yeah. As like, you know, who lives underground and who lives above ground and how, what, what we hide in the underground cellars. Yeah. Yeah. Then we can also get into the uh, housekeeper's husband, who was an interesting character. Yeah. Wow. Talk about crazy eyes. Oh, my God. Yeah. And and also just, like, again, so unhinged. Yes. Like, so untethered from reality. As you'd expect from a person who's been living in a basement for more than four years. Yes. But given the way they were talking about him, it seems like he was already pretty uh, pretty far gone before he went into the yeah. bunker. But, yeah, the, the bashing his head against the lights. Oh, my gosh for Mr. Park and then he's like Mr. Park do you recognize me and he's like um no because they've never met no very delusional yes which I'm sure is representative of something um like yeah that his worship of the rich yeah yeah and expecting that he will be noticed because he did a ser- some kind of what he thinks of as a service yeah but yeah that was something else I think that's where it kind of like everything up until then is so much within the realm of possibility and that's where it all kind of goes slightly off the rails (laughs) yeah it does become much more interesting and much more exciting but it also gets into this part where you're like yeah okay (laughs) like those guys are so you know yeah they're so off the plan and it's just he was down there either slowly becoming more unhinged or just always like that the whole time the housekeeper was living in the house yeah yeah it's horrible. Yeah. I'm just so I'm, I'm flicking through pictures from this movie or stills from this movie, and it's so beautiful. They're I know, like it's so all, well shot. It's so beautifully shot. Like everything's like a professional photograph, and the the way the color is treated is consistent in through the two different houses, which are very different characters and the different families. And I'm just it's so beautiful. I didn't even look up who the uh, cinematographer was because this is gorgeous. Hong Kyung Pyo is the cinematographer. Same guy from Snowpiercer and the Bong Joon Ho movie Mother. Not to be confused with the other movie called Mother, <laughs> exclamation point. Yeah. I will also say that Song Kang-ho is really good in The Host, which uh, you haven't yeah, seen, but is, he – Is also a Bong Joon-ho it's, movie. Yeah, it's yeah. also a Bong Joon-ho movie, and it's really, really good, and people should see it if they like monster movies. Yeah. That one is funny. It's funny putting that one with this one because that one is great in the first half yeah. and then hits a lull in the second half and then gets good again. He seems to have some interesting timing or pacing issues. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's part of it. Like we were talking about Park Chan Wook before, and he's he's very interested in doing like interesting plots. Yeah. Whereas, um, yeah, Bong Joon Ho is much more interested in the people side of things. Well, I like the character in Park Chan Wook movies. As characters, not that he does bad well. characters, but yeah, well, he just sort of does everything really better. But <laughs> to me, I Bong Joon Ho is just making like he's just making a movie about class difference in every genre that he can. Yeah, hit. he just wants to like talk about like socialism everywhere. Yeah. It's it's he's, he's like the Bernie Sanders of Korean film. <laughs> well, I mean, the host is about is about classism. Yeah, Snowpiercer is about classism. I haven't seen Okja yet, but I'm willing to bet there's some classism in it. Probably, although I think that's more a, l- a little bit more environmentalism, and that's like yeah. kid creature feature. Yeah, you've got the host as like a monster 
movie. So, yeah, he's you've ma- got Snowpiercer as a sci-fi. He makes beautifully shot and beautifully acted films about about class and yeah. social issues. See that, and that's the thing as well. You know, if you look at Snowpiercer, mm. you've got like Tilda Swinton as your kind of stand-in for the rich. You've got. I can't remember who's at the head of the train, but the guy at the head of the train, like you've got a lot of people along the way mm. who are kind of very much obviously a part of that system. Yeah. This one, it's it's really hard to – it's really hard not to sympathize with the Parks. Yeah. Um, Mr. Park less, so he's a bit of a dick. But Mrs. Park and I don't, the kids, I don't actually find it that easy to sympathize with the Parks, to be honest. I just don't like them that much. But they're <laughs> – Like they're perfectly fine, but they're just so oblivious to everything. They are, but they're being – like manipulated and mistreated constantly like we don't see them mistreat anybody until the end of the film as well like at the end of the film when mr kim is taking all the thing the groceries and stuff and mrs kim is out putting the tables out like it's not until mrs park says to her get all the tables up from the basement take them out i'm like you're expecting her to do all of that by herself yeah like that's that's a a 50 something woman this is not this is the kind of job you get a few people in to help with yeah yeah exactly that was that was when it's they they started doing that up until that point there was no point at which they were like mistreating anybody and yet the daughter was being like groomed and she and the and the others, other workers uh, the, were being the manipulated, were being manipulated into firing people. Yeah, I just, I just didn't have huge reserves of sympathy for them. But then perhaps that it worked on me and it didn't work on you in the same way. <laughs> well, no, because the thing is, I I knew what was what it was trying to do and what it was saying about them, and yeah. so I was like, the clinical part of me was doing all of that stuff. But I think before we even met them, I felt bad for both Dahay and Mrs. Kim, Mrs. Mrs. Park, Park, yeah, because like the way Min talked about them. had been so sexist and gross about them in the first yeah, place. Yes, yeah. so because he had said, "Oh, she's so young and dumb," about the mother, yeah. simple about the mother, and and that the daughter was like some beautiful that. pure flower that he wanted to uh, to like. So he I just was going the to simple comment. Oh, yeah, and that he yeah. was going to move in on her as soon as she got into college. Ugh. Like, before we even met them, I think I already was sympathizing with them. Yeah. Because I was so against men. So, and then, like, the people come in and just immediately start manipulating them. I was like, stop doing this. You know, like, yeah. it's just, like, I understand that they want the money and I, I can sympathize with them in trying to get the jobs and, and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. But I can't sympathize with anybody in terms of, like trying to seduce a 16 year old no no it's too much and it's too gross and i just can't go there with it mm. um and i'm wondering if that's like cultural differences as well i've got a note here you know when min gives them the rock yes and and the mother goes food would be better yeah <laughs> yeah that mrs kim is just like wow yeah from the very beginning just like whoa yeah, she's pretty there, full on. There's no filter. There's no um, veneer of niceness. She's just well. Then she says that, and that's, that's which is why it's the, really hard. I, I found it. I was like, she's never going to be able to mold herself into the housekeeper. Like, I, I, she does for mm. a couple of a bit of the time, but it was just like um, she also has a really interesting line that says because they talk about how Mrs. Park is nice, and then she says she's nice because she's rich. Yeah, yeah. She can afford to be nice, and then she immediately shoves the dog away. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, you can afford to be nice to dogs. Because like, dogs are like, was it the Harry Potter serious black quote about like, if you want to get the measure of a man, look at how he treats those these as lesser than him. Yeah, yeah. Like the parks are being nice to the Kims and the Kims are being horrible to the dog. Yeah. 
which is Mrs. Kim is Mrs. Yeah. Kim is t- being yeah. horrible to which, the dog, which, which is really yeah. telling about who she is. But yeah, again, like and the others c- couldn't afford to, to be nice because yeah of how she, yeah well and then that's I think that's what it's exploring as well because there is a like while there is a level of that buffer that iron as they call it which again may be a different translation the I don't know whatever it is of money there is still at heart like there are decent people and there are not decent people regardless. It's just that sometimes money will mask some things. But that's the thing is that, that we didn't see a lot of that in this movie. Like the, the No, we, well, we only see it in the direction of Mrs. Kim who would be like as a rich person would be utterly awful and as a poor person is also awful Yeah, and it doesn't really make a difference. I suppose you could put like Mrs., Mr. Kim uh, Miss versus Mrs. Kim because Mr. Kim seems like he would probably be a nicer person yeah. if he had the money to be he, able to yeah, do it. Yeah, that's right. He's a fairly decent person but he also recognises that he's got a family to support and right. like, but, and he's, he makes some comp- – and you, you, you see that in him as well. Yeah. Like that thing where his face gets redder and his, he, like his hair gets messier and all that. Like he, you can see him feeling conflicted about it. And it's only really at the end when Mr. Park and the smell comment keeps coming back. And also he's had to deal with all the Park's rich friends, like parking mm. their Mini Coopers in his garage and all that sort of thing, that it really uh, – that he really snaps. Mm. And then his daughter dies, so. Yeah, and then, of course, he's yeah, going to snap. Um, and, but I think also that's part of, like, Song Kang-ho being so – like, being such a good actor. You can yeah. see all that play out in him. Yes. Um, but then it might, makes me wonder about what the kids – what they're saying about the kids. There's a line early on in the film that says one out of four are rejects about the pizza boxes, yeah. but then there's immediate shot of all four of the family yeah. standing in the hallway of their house, and it's implying that one out of four of them are rejects. Yep. And then at the end, the fact that there's that at the beginning, at the end of the film, it's um, Mr. Kim who's stuck in the bunker is interesting. It is interesting because he is clearly different from the rest of them yeah there's a line as well early on in the film where he says does oxford have a major in document forgery that got a pretty big laugh out of the audience yeah i then wrote that poor dog but i don't know what that's about yeah i don't know because i'm not sure about earlier on because otherwise the dogs are like obviously mrs park treats her dogs well but they they sort of not oh i, I remember i think i expected something bad to happen to the dogs but Me it too. didn't um she's carrying the white dog around the house Oh. And the dog's just miserably hanging there, like, why are you doing this right. to me? Though there's a really funny shot, well, funny to me, in that dark humor sort of way of the dog eating the barbecue off the skewer that's oh, gone into no, the that's side. that's amazing. It's so good. The, um, oh, who's the, oh, the, the what's the, her name's husband? Yeah. He gets skewered in his side, which, by the way, is how Jesus died, with a, a stick of sausages. Yeah. That, and then the dog, that is just a primo little shot yeah um the barbe- barbecue skewer Amazing. and um i called him in my notes i called him the basement monster yeah <laughs> um, well yeah it's really hard to like looking through the cast list you don't he's really way down the bottom mm. basement monster is probably a good name for him um at one point kiwu says to dahe when she's complaining about her brother what's that got to do with your studies <laughs> And I was like, wow, welcome to teaching. Yeah, that was that, – at that point, like uh, – see, because at first I was like, I, I thought he wasn't going to creep on her. And mm. when he says things like that, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, so he's doing okay. And then mm. when it then fairly quickly gets into like him making out with her and stuff, I was mm. like, you started off great. You actually know, knew what you were doing at one point. Mm. There's a scene in a, in a restaurant, which is really, really good, by the way, um, really well shot scene in a restaurant oh, yeah. where they're talking about all of the jobs that the dads had. And they were like, they talk about a Taiwanese cake shop that goes bu- yeah, goes yeah. bust, as well as being a valet and something else in the span of like six months. Yeah, yeah. But um, 
later on the uh the basement, basement monster. monster also has a cake shop that's gone bust. Yeah, he had a Taiwanese cake shop. Yeah. And he um borrowed money from what are they called? Loan sharks. Loan sharks. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and that was the bit where you we were supposed to be like the portion of solidarity for each other. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, that and also Taiwanese cake shops must have been super popular in Korea. <laughs> Every, everybody was trying to run a Taiwanese cake <laughs> yeah. shop franchise. They um, all went bust. There's a tracking shot of the Mr. Park coming home through the living room uh-huh. um, with a really like drum heavy score that I loved. Yeah. Um, I really liked that bit. The score for this whole movie, I really, really liked. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. I was going to look up who wrote it. Um, yeah. The, well, that Mr. Park coming home stuff is really good because he is kind of like we sort of see the family in the home as being the domain of the mother and the two kids mm. much more than him. So when he, you kind of sense the way things change when he's home versus mm. when he's not. And the way the dogs follow him around. Yeah, yeah. And he's the only one we ever see like in an outside workplace mm-hmm. um, at his at his office um, or in the car. <laughs> he also, that, that scene is also followed by a fairly comedic scene where he convinces his wife that because the panties were left behind in the car, it must have been a dr- drug addict who yeah. left them. And you're like, okay. Sure. that may, Yeah, no, it, he makes Perfect several sense. logic leaps there. And the wife also then says about um, the daughter that she's so young and innocent. Yeah. But she also says this line about a belt of trust. Yeah. Where, well, like, she was talking about how she trusted the girl and then the girl trusted the driver and yeah. so on. But I just thought that was interesting. It, it was a weird phrase as well, and I don't know yeah. if it was a translation thing because she actually does make a motion that looks like doing yeah. up a belt. So There's a line also – uh, the daughter, Dahe, says that peaches are a forbidden fruit no, in no. the house that's so literal. It's so literal. Yep. And I thought that was really funny that as well. That is really funny, the whole peach thing. I was noticing how many skills the Kims have. Like, they're very skilled at a whole lot of different things. Yeah. It's interesting that they can't find any useful, um, employable yeah. application for these skills. Especially Mr. Kim and daughter, who are, like, also not terrible like in terms of their people skills they've also got decent people skills they've got really good people skills they're very good at the i mean the the son is a bit useless and the mother is like a loose cannon but the other two are actually real not only good at a lot of things but really smart yes and able to move between worlds quite well even then the son and the daughter both convinced that pizza girl and the the son is not completely terrible like he's not completely useless no he does have some skills and so yeah I don't know. Before I knew more about her, I was like the poor housekeeper. And uh, I found out more about her and didn't feel so sorry for her. Yeah, well, I, well, that's how that one whole that whole thing plays out like that. Mm. You do feel sorry for her for ages and ages. And also, when they fire the driver, it's just like, make up some excuse. And then he's just gone. We don't see it happen. Whereas we actually see Mrs. Park out the back having a conversation with the other mm-hmm. housekeeper about the firing. There's a scene where Mr. Kim gives Mr. Park a business card that made me think of American Psycho. Yep. <laughs> he was so impressed with the business card that he immediately bought into it. Yeah, good design. Good design. Which, like, well, we know that the daughter is a really good artist. So. Yep. I, was, I really liked all the, like, the way that they shift the costuming for when they're at home versus when they're out. I don't know where all the, they got all those outfits, but. So um, clever. It's so clever. And there's all these little sh- subtle shifts in their hair and their makeup and all that stuff that like then the last time you see them after they've had to come from the gym, that it's all kind of falling apart. It mer- when it merge- Well, the gym, after they've had to be evacuated, the gym is when it all merges mm. together. And also when they 
come home early from the camping trip as well when and um Mrs. Kim is there as the housekeeper because she's not in her sort of uniformy type outfit either. Yeah. And it def it and the two sides start to merge. I kind of feel like the mother didn't care about that because like that she, she wasn't knew supposed that, to be yeah, there. Yeah, she wasn't supposed to be there and that's probably what she would wear to yeah. like it was late at night as well. So yeah, she's yeah. probably no, just it, it was less in of an issue but it's where the shift starts. Yeah. And we stop um, seeing them in, in the sort of uniform outfits. Yes. There's another funny line um, that the housekeeper says where she says – the old housekeeper says where she says um, that all the rich people's houses have the CCTV in case attackers or creditors break in. Oh, yeah, that was a great was line. really funny. Um, the basement monster eats a banana really weirdly. Oh, God. It was so gross. She also <laughs> gives him a bottle, like a formula or something, like a baby bottle. It's just milk. Yeah, it's, but she gives him a baby bottle, which is it, odd. Um, and then he like shoves a banana into his face, and I was like, Ooh. "Well, sciency brain. Uh, if somebody hasn't eaten for a while, then solid foods can upset their stomach really easily. And you don't so give you, them, yeah. and then you don't you want them to gulp it down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, I just I was impressed that she'd had time to make a bottle. There's all that don't call me sis stuff that I thought was really interesting. Yeah, that was interesting too. The, the way they address one another. Yeah. Um, again, that's clearly a translation thing, but it, yeah, well, that one was a clever one because it kind of works. Yeah, and there's, but there is clearly something cultural there about yeah. like who can address who as sis and where versus you know how they would speak to Mrs. Park or whatever. Yeah, the the scene where they're all scrambling for the phone, like grabbing for the phone, and then it cut, pulls out and there's it's like non diegetic music playing over it was really really good. Yeah. I loved that. The sexy times with the family hiding under the table I also thought was really that good. That was hilarious, yeah. There was that all that talking about plans and how you shouldn't make plans because it never goes the way that you want it to and people with no plans can do whatever because um, yeah. they don't care how it goes, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Um, there's also another Lost in Translation moment, I think, where Mrs. Park is talking about setting up the backyard and yeah. she says, think of the tent as the Japanese warship. And she's talking about a battle somewhere yeah. and setting up well, the table. I just assumed in- that was a famous battle that most Koreans would learn about in school. Well, I, th- I think that that was a, like, it's a famous battle that she learned about in school because she's rich and and oh, maybe the right. other woman wouldn't have known yeah. about. Okay. I thought that might have been another, like, yeah, of course, that probably class was. difference. No, you're probably they, right. That's the, it's funny because that's when they suddenly start hitting really on the head, like, the class difference stuff. Yeah. Like, up until that point, it's been a lot more subtle, and then yeah. suddenly and then they're being – very overt. Yeah. Yeah, they're and they've got basically horrifying like – Yeah, yeah, and they've got horrifying rich friends. And Well, I didn't see the rich friends ever being horrifying – that, no, but they're just well. They're they're just like park the car wherever and wander in wherever and that kind of thing. It's the obliviousness, not it's the, the terribleness. Okay, uh, yeah, they just seem to be going to a party. So, yeah, I mean, if there was a party at like their sub basement house, people would probably bring their bikes up and not park know their where cars to put them and irritating places. And, and, yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, actually, I actually think – sorry, I was just thinking about the road at the back. The back of their house, like where you – the actual gate street entrance to their house yeah. is on this really bleak, hilly road. Yeah. It it definitely harks back to like other movies, but it's also like in its in and of itself is like this really bleak place. You never see any neighbors. You never see any other – until the party, you never see any other people or other cars or anything mm-hmm. like that. And then the fact that it's a hill and it's very steep and it's sort of inaccessible, it was, I, it was just a sort of – succinct visual metaphor for the whole thing yeah i liked the line about uh, the the bit about the detective who looks nothing like a detective and the doctor who looks nothing like a doctor yeah because they the detective looks like a doctor and the doctor looks like a detective 
Mm. Well, the detective looks young and he's fresh very, he's very young and, and fresh faced, and the um and the, the doctor doctor's looks- kind of older and grizzled. Yeah, yeah, they do. They look like the opposite. And then Mr. Kim turns into the basement monster. Yeah, except he, he's not a monster. He makes a comment. I hear tree side burials are trendy, so I did my best, which was really odd and really funny. Yeah, that could be lost in translation, or it could just be like, what's the word? Um, Dissonance. Yeah, no, no, like I've forgotten satire. I Some kind of yeah. Wacky humor. Yeah. Um, I also kind of like the false ending yes. where we see Kiwu go and buy the house and then yeah. that's not actually what happened and it comes yeah. pans down to him in the apartment. Yep. Um, I thought that was kind of neat too. translated the letter and realizing what's going on. Yeah. The way that all of that, like the part where Kiwu is going through the basement trying to like, and she's lying on the, the housekeeper's lying on the floor and the basement monster was behind him with the, the um, noose. noose thing was yep. really good. It's so tense, and like that, all those corridor, the, all those hallways to get down there are so kind of. Go, you're going into well the sub basement is so good. Yeah, so well done. Yeah. Anyway, um, we should probably give this movie a rating. Ah, uh, yes, we should. I'm going to go with four stars because I thought it was really good. I also thought it was really good. I feel like, yeah, I'm probably say four stars as well. I feel like it got really good at the end. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I think there are some things that are maybe too subtle for me or something like that, that I feel like maybe they could have gone in a different direction with some things and it would have made it yeah. more enjoyable for me. Yeah. It's really competently made, but it isn't necessarily What's... enjoyable, is it? Like no. it's sort of, but it's also, yeah. it's not just that it's like, it's really um, like all the performances are really good and all that sort of stuff. But when it's so much about all that classism and things, you'd think there would be some attempt to, Make us empathize with the Kims. Yeah. And that really wasn't there. So mm-hmm. I found it hard to root for anybody in this movie. Yes, I also found it hard to root for anybody. And uh, that's not the movie's fault, for, but for me, like, I just don't enjoy th- watching things that yeah. much where I find it hard to root for anybody. Well, I had the same problem with um, with Snowpiercer, to be honest. I found it really hard to root for anybody because there were there was problems with everybody. Oh, what about Jamie Bell? Oh, God, Jamie Bell yeah, never did anything wrong horribly, and then he dies yeah. horribly. <laughs> I root That's for him. Right. Yeah. No, but again, yeah, like most of the people you spend most of the movie with are really hard to root for. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so, Chris Evans is it. Sorry, I probably won't, shouldn't spoil the movie. It's like <laughs> six years old. I was, can... like, I was like, Chris Evans is a baby eater. Yeah. Which always just, I know that it's so dramatic in the movie and everything, but it always makes me laugh. It's funny. It's funny. It's just sort of. It's so ridiculous that it's funny. I know. Yeah. It is. Like, it isn't in the context of the movie when you're watching it, but when you think about it later and you're like, oh, yeah, that's the movie where Chris Evans ate a baby. Yep. Anyway. Absolutely. All right. Oh, I guess I'll wrap up. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter and facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens on Facebook. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.